1: Hey, everybody. Mark and Steve on the PBS podcast. This is episode 192. And this is we haven't talked about uh, something like this for quite a long time, I think. Mm. And you'll see by the question on the episode title, should I marry my porn addicted fiance or move on?
0: That's not a scary title at all.
1: No, that's not a scary title at all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> very, You can tell it's going to be a very gentle, very chill episode today. Oh, yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> well, this, this actually came in from a PBSC listener, and we're going to read what she sent us, and then we're going to jump in and see uh, if we can address this. She said, hi, I really appreciate this podcast and what it offers. <clears throat> As a partner of a porn addict, It gives me valuable insight on what we are both going through. I've been with my boyfriend for six years. About three years ago, I found out about his addiction, and it's been an uphill battle ever since. All of this has been heartbreaking, to say the least, and I've been trying to make sense of the deep betrayal and hurt. About three months ago, I finally asked him to put accountability software on his device and regularly talk to an accountability partner. He also has content and website restrictions on his phone. Since then there have been three to four times I found that he has looked up pornography on his device or wor- worked a way around the accountability software. Mm-hmm. Despite this, I see real progress from him. He was almost, he was almost three and a half weeks sober just recently. I believe it happens much less often. And I genuinely believe he is trying. However, I am defeated because he has told me he slipped up again. I have given him so much grace and understanding despite my deep hurt and pain, and I'm becoming increasingly more frustrated and heartbroken every time this happens. Being with someone for six years, I've been ready to get serious and start a life with him. But every time this happens, I feel like we're taking more and more steps backward. How do we end this toxic cycle, reclaim our relationship, and finally move forward? Or... Do I need to be more realistic and end this relationship as he is too deep in his addiction? Thank you for any insight. Mm.
0: Well, first of all, I think we just want to applaud uh, this partner for, for writing in and we appreciate you listening to the podcast and we're glad that you found it helpful. So thank you for the kind words. Um, You know, uh, I told Mark when we were going through potential potential submissions, you know, for to, to select from, for the podcast this week. And when we were going through this one, the very first thing that I told them as we were getting into production today before we started was this is like me and Brittany.
1: <laughs> mm, yeah, this
0: is the Steve and Brittany story. And so I wanted to kind of kick today off with just a quick iteration of that. Some of you have made have heard this, but I, I can really, my heart really goes out to this sp- spouse. I mean, it's like talking to a, a mirror from 10 years ago, honestly. um. But, the real quick recap of, of my story, beginning with my marriage. I had a history with addiction prior to that, but after I got married, I, you know I was open with my wife about my struggles um, with, with pornography. We had no idea my wife and I to be fair what we were dealing with fully, but she was aware of what was going on. And, and like many, like many, I had bought into the, to the, the fallacy that, you know, getting married and being able to have real sex was going to solve my problem, and of course, that didn't happen and as we went through uh the process of my addiction kind of began rearing its head more and more um we got my Brittany and I got into a very toxic pattern and it sounds eerily similar to what is going on here uh at the beginning I was very highly motivated to really work on this and change I didn't want to hurt my wife I didn't want to be bringing this issue into our marriage that had plagued me for so long I really wanted to change and, and become different however the reality is, looking back, and I'm able to admit this now, as time went on, uh, Brittany was incredibly supportive with, with me in my addiction. When I would have slips or relapses, she was my biggest cheerleader. She was my biggest champion. She was always the one who was willing to, to be there for me and try to love me through it and help in any way that she could. But I, became, I, I had two things going on for me. One, my wife's love in that way because of the way she was loving me, and it was coming from a healthy, loving place for her. I unfortunately was taking advantage of that and was using that as, as enablement. And when, she, when things would become difficult for us, uh, we fell into a very, what I would call a reactive recovery pattern, which is very similar to what we're hearing here. Um, I would make serious efforts when I could tell that Brittany was becoming especially hurt or wounded by my actions and addiction. I That's when I would get serious for a week or a month, maybe two I take some sort of token effort. There were a couple of times where I went to see a therapist like one time, you know, or tried different things. Um, And, and even though those efforts, there was a degree of sincerity behind them. I, the reality was, is that like many who struggle with addiction and I, I suspect that's part of what's going on here. Even though there was a part of me that wanted to change, I wasn't yet ready to give up everything that I needed to give up and sacrifice what needed to be sacrificed to really change. I was comfortable for where I was and I didn't want to face all of the issues behind addiction. Uh I was scared, I was ambivalent, and I was cowardly. Um and and as I as I look back on that, this kind of pattern continued to a point that kind of started to reach a critical mass, which is where I kind of perceived this partner may be at. One day I, I remember where all this culminated was I was I was at work. I remember right where I was at the at the place of work I was at that at that point. I was so deep in my addiction and so deep in the hypocrisy of it that I was actually a therapist helping other addicts. I was running an addiction recovery program for chemical addiction. I'd gotten done just meeting with a client about some stuff. We'd had a really good session. And five minutes after they walked out the door, I pulled up pornography on my office computer and, and, and masturbated. That's how deep into this I was. I mean, I was really living a double life. And I called my wife on my lunch break because that was our agreement. I was going to be honest and open with her. And that was me doing kind of the bare minimum. And I expected Brittany to do the usual, I call it the waltz, that we usually did at this point. I would get honest, express remorse like a lost puppy dog, hold my eyes in shame. Brittany would then step in, be my cheerleader, say, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you for telling me. We've got this. We can beat this. I know we can do it. I know you can do it. And I would go on and then I'd probably relapse again fairly fairly soon. (laughs) And that was kind of the pattern we'd done for years and years and years. And that on that particular day, uh, Brittany broke the waltz. She broke the dance that we'd done for years. And after I told her what had happened, rather than playing her usual role, uh, she, she deviated in a really scary way. She's, she got really emotional and she started to cry. And she told me essentially what this spouse is vocalizing in this letter Steve, I'm not telling you that I need to leave today, and I'm not telling you that I need to leave tomorrow but I am telling you that I can't continue to do this. And we are getting to a point where you're going to have to choose this life that you're living or you're going to have to choose something different. You keep saying that you're going to do something different. You keep saying that you're going to get serious about this, but we've been doing it that way for years now and it's not changing. It's not getting better. If anything, it might, it might be getting worse in some ways, not necessarily with sobriety, but in terms of you know all of the other things that kind of accompany this, and I can't keep doing this forever. And it was a horrible day, but it was an important day because it was the beginning of a change for my wife and I. And we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end, why that was a change and why that was important with the honesty piece and, and all that. But I just really resonate with this couple because it sounds like they are in a very similar pattern. This guy, I don't know him at all, but if he's like many of the men that Mark and I have worked with over the years, what it sounds like is this is a guy who to some degree does want this, but to a large degree, isn't willing to do the work yet, or is not yet in a place where he is willing to sacrifice what, and do what is really necessary to make a change. And the reasons behind that are complex, and we're not going to cover those in the podcast today for sake of time. But what we do want to do is get into giving some advice to this amazing partner who is dealing with this pain. Uh, give some advice to this addict partner uh, and a starting point and give a recommendation about what needs to happen next. So we'll kind of tie in with that story as we go along here.
1: Yeah. And I could, man, I could, I could so relate to this situation because my situation was similar in my early marriage as well. And what I'm seeing here is this, as you said, Steve, you know, in your story and mine too, this guy really seems to be in a reactive pain averse approach to yes. so-called recovery or sobriety the bare As minimum to
0: keep things going along right yeah
1: yeah how do i keep her around how do i keep her from you know calling this off absolutely and, it, and it's very reactive in that you wait for her thing, her to get upset again things to kind of reach a crescendo mm-hmm. you do some you do some efforts like you know getting accountability software or an internet filter and then things sort of calm down and you just sort of base your, you know, base what you're doing, being reactive to how upset she is as opposed to being proactive and leading out and being all in right. And, and doing real recovery. That's kind of what I see. He's not there at this point. Yep. And so there's, there's no plan. um, There's no structure. There's, there's not nearly enough accountability He's he's trying to he's trying to do this on his own, which you and I are very oh, gosh. with, right?
0: Absolutely. You know, and let's talk about that for a second, because I, I am passionate about that. And I'm hoping that this this addict partner will hear us because we've been him in many ways. Uh, you know, every every addict that we work with, every guy that ever has come into my office has has a set of reasons why they aren't willing to reach out to other people, right? Why they don't want to reach out. Sometimes it's bravado, sometimes it's machismo. Sometimes it's good old fashioned pride. Sometimes it's not wanting to admit weakness. Sometimes it's shame. Usually it's a combination of all of those, but what at the end of the day, what for me, the popular excuse that I would lead with is, "Hun, I don't need help. I'm a therapist. I help other people do this. Don't tell me to go get help. I am the help. I don't need (laughs) right, 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 right. But everybody has reasons for it, right? But what it boils down to at the end of the day is a willingness to be open to looking at the evidence as it stands And what we are looking at here, just like my wife lovingly pointed out to me, I want to lovingly speak to this partner right now and say, you have a minimum of three years of evidence to look at. Can you really say that this is getting better? Can you really say that you're doing everything that you could be doing? Can you really say that you're getting uncomfortable and you're working to become the person that this partner of yours deserves, that she wants to sign up for in the long term? I don't think, I would be pretty confident knowing very little about this guy, admittedly, that that the answer after three years of such little progress that one could honestly look in the mirror and say that's the case.
1: Because she says after she found out about his addiction three years ago, it's been an uphill battle. Yes. Yes,
0: Well, and look at the language. You and I talked about this beforehand, going back to what you said, Mark, about this being a reactive recovery. Notice what she wrote in. I was the one who said you need to get accountability software here, Right. I was the one who finally said you need to find an accountability partner. You can see there this there's this pattern of of this spouse from a loving place of wanting to make this relationship work and find happiness here, of taking the charge, right? And leading out. And and I will tell you, Mark and I care about everybody listening to this too much. We've talked about this before. We will talk about it again. When when partners come into our offices. You know what the number one cause of, of, of a partner wanting to be done and needing to be done in any relationship is? Guess what? It isn't the acting out. That's the case sometimes. And and God knows that acting out will get you there eventually. Yes. The thing that will kill the relationship much quicker than that is this dynamic that's going on in this relationship right now. It's, this, it's a partner who over time becomes so exhausted because they are putting in more effort and leading the charge on, on his battle on his fight, that eventually they, those spouses wake up one day and it's not because they, they don't leave because they hate him. They don't leave because they don't want, want to be with him. They leave because they can't stay. It's too much. It's too much work. It's too much effort. They don't have a partner. As one spouse lovingly put it to me, Steve, we have five kids together, but I feel like personally, I actually
1: have six. Mm.
0: That's what kills yeah. the, the relationship yeah. every single time.
1: Yeah, and we have, you know, you and I, we jotted down as we got ready for this today, Steve, kind of our rules around this kind of thing, which comes from our <laughs> crazy personal experience, but also decades of working with people all over the world in this stuff. Rule number one for the partners of an addict, never, never, never work harder on his recovery than he is willing to work ever, ever. Ever. That is an
0: absolute rule in recovery. It's it's like, it's like the law of gravity. <laughs> mm-hmm. You never violate that rule. Anytime you are working harder than your partner in this process, I don't care what the circumstances, you are doing it wrong.
1: Right. Keeping track of him, playing policewoman, you know, looking at his accountability reports, seeing if he cause she I don't know that this is true, but it appears that she's checking in on his internet use. And sure. she's discovered his slips because she can see it on the reports and the software. Absolutely. There's another example. Rule number two, loving him into changing will never work. Ever. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Did my wife try to love Mark into changing?
0: Both of our, both of our wives. And you, and you know what? Just like we talked about, guess what that almost did? That was almost the thing that ended both of our marriages. Yes. That that killing yourself to try to get him to change. That's what makes the spouse wake up one day and just know they have to leave. And that was the
1: night that my wife were sitting in the car and I'd had one, another big binge and I was in victim mode and, you know, whining and complaining. And she finally looked at me and she said, and I'll never forget this. She said, I just don't think I can love you uh, the way you've become. Mm, Yeah. I, I can't do this anymore. And, uh, actually, that night I, I came very close to taking my own life because I Definitely was low devastated point. and so hopeless from this crazy addiction. But I had been going it alone for yep. more, for probably 15 years. Yep. Not three, 15. And I was at
0: 10. You were at 10. I mean, look at that. Actually, no, I was 20 if you count pre-marriage. Oh, well, yeah. yeah, I
1: wasn't counting pre-marriage. I was, 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 well, probably more like 10 years into my marriage. I was still doing it by myself. Yeah. She was exhausted. She was just done, right? She couldn't. She tried to love me for a decade into changing, and she couldn't. Yep. Right? Rule number three. Real and lasting sobriety and recovery is never, man, we're losing, we're using a lot of nevers here, aren't we?
0: And evers, because I'm going to say an ever in just a second.
1: <laughs> we're like, we never say those words. Well, we do <laughs> on these rules. Yep. Real, real and lasting sobriety and recovery is never passive. Ever. Internet filters and accountability software do not a recovery program make. No, they don't. They're a, they're a nice little helpful quite frankly, pretty small piece of the puzzle. Recovery is about internal change, not about external fences and forces and, and whatever, right? Yes. And so, yeah, it's recovery cannot be passive. It never works. And no, this, the it, fact that this guy's been at it for three years shows you.
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, and that kind of takes us to the last statement that we would say, and and we're just saying this because we we love you. We just... If they, we're going to give, give this addict partner the message that both of us wish we'd gotten earlier and that somebody had been direct with both of us enough to, to, to have saved us and our spouse some unnecessary heartbreak. The reality is, in this case, as with most cases, with a guy who was this deep into addiction with this long of a profile and a history and with such a long demonstrated time of half-hearted, half-assed, or ineffective recovery, whichever of those it is, maybe it's a mix of all three, we don't know this guy, so we can't speak to that. It is clear that this guy is not going to be able to do this alone. No. It's clear. There are three, at least three years of evidence to back that up. It's empirical evidence, right? We're looking at it. As my wife told me, here we are. You've, you've been doing this for three years on your terms. Your terms suck, Yeah. right? That's what Steve had to come to the realization. Remember my excuse? I'm a therapist. I got this. Guess what? I was at the time, I was pretty damn good at helping other people get better. You know how good I was at my own recovery? I sucked at it.
1: <laughs> sucked. Right.
0: My plan worked really well for other people, but trying to apply it through my own line of thinking, my own justifications, my own thinking errors was garbage. Yeah. I needed outside help. And well this guy and, does too.
1: And 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 it's really man, if if this guy's listening or other addicts, we know that this you know, this is like a butt kicking. And we're not trying to come down on you. We're really not at all. We want every guy struggling with pornography and sexual addiction to really open your mind and heart to hear us. We are trying desperately right now as we're talking to all of you to save you from a ton of grief and pain and frustration and disappointment and failure. We are. What we're saying is please, please, please don't do it the way we did. Do, do not go this alone any longer. Please don't extend this crazy, painful journey out longer than it needs to be. Please reach out for help. Please go from me to we. Yes. Right? Don't do it like we did. It was hell for Mark us and, and our spouses.
0: Absolutely. I mean, Mark and I, we, you know, years ago when we first started our Dare to Connect program for addict spouses and couples. We, uh, or we, it was in its early stages, we came up with a number of marketing campaigns and I'm going to share one with you now because it was true then and it's true now. To everyone who is considering getting help but you're on the fence for some reason, don't reinvent the wheel. The Dare to Connect program, for example, Bark and I both have full practices with long, long waiting lists. Our Dare to Connect program that's been going for two years now has, has provides the opportunity of, to work with two therapists live, both live and through on-demand content for 25 hours a month for the cost of a couple of therapy sessions. Yeah. It provides everything from accountability to a community where you can get better, to a place where you can ask questions and get answers, to, to a place where you can have access to two guys who have already invented that wheel. We re, we've already done that. Don't make the mistake that we did. That's why we created that program in the first place. Yeah. Is because there's no need for you all to have to reinvent that. Mark and I, we say often, one of our claims to fame, whatever that fame may look like, big or small, <laughs> is that I, I, I'm the first to tell you, I'm a certified sex addiction therapist. I'm a certified partner trauma therapist. I'm a certified multiple addictions therapist. I've got lots of letters behind my name. You want to know why people come to see me? It's not because of any of those things. Just like I don't think it's that's the reason why they come to see Mark is because of the letters behind his name. They come to see us because we're experts in this, but we're not experts because of all of our training. You know why we're experts? Because we did it all the crappy ways first.
1: <laughs> it's true.
0: We did it all the wrong ways. It's like true. We, we literally followed, we we created the plan of how to do this wrong and almost end your marriage. That should be the title of our next book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how to almost end your marriage.
1: Yeah, I and, and, I actually and, did it. The, <laughs> the plan to bring yourself where you're sitting in your garage with a gun on your at your head, ready to pull the trigger. I mean, that's really what you could title it, and we are—we really
0: are begging and pleading with you, please. We have created a program for you. If you are in a place where you are kind of in this pro, in this process, but kind of not, if you find yourself like this, this addict, we are pleading with you, please don't fence it anymore. There was not a program like Dare to Connect around when Mark and I went through this. Frankly, there's no other program we're aware of that's like it. For the amount of content that we provide, for the price that we offer it at. We created this program. Yes, do we want to make a living on it? Absolutely. Yes, do we do we want to provide for our families? Absolutely. You know why Mark and I do this? Trust me. Being a therapist, anyone who will tell you it is—if you you do it for the paycheck, you are in the wrong kind of work. (laughs) Um, That is not why you do it. We do this because we're passionate about it. We do this because we don't want to see people suffer that same way. If if you are in a place where you've been fence sitting, please stop grab a two-week free trial at daretoconnectnow.com come join us come figure out how you can level this up we're growing by leaps and bounds this last month was the fastest growing month we've had so far we anticipate that to continue please come join us level things up and again you can find info at that at dare connectnowcom but as we're talking about that it's not just about finding a program like dare to connect this is about this guy being I we mark and I can connect with where this guy is at and we really do applaud you for the this this partner mentions in her letter that he's made a lot of progress, and we honor that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We know,
0: how, we know how hard it is to make that limited progress on your own. The problem is not you, as we tell a lot of the guys that we work with in 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 this pro, in this program in Dare to Connect. This is not always about trying harder. It might just be about trying smarter. Part of, half the problem is is you're probably trying to go into the field of battle against a Gatling gun and you're walking out there with a butter knife and you wonder why you get cut in half every time Mm. you don't have the tools. You don't have the knowledge base and you will keep failing. Not because you're a bad guy or because you're, you're weak. It may just because you don't have the, what you need to be able to combat this. So whatever it is, whether it's dare to connect, whether it's whatever it is, we would implore you, don't let your relationship and not just your partner, yourself, you deserve better than yeah. to be sitting in that place of suffering day after day, week after week. Mark and I have been there. You are better than that.
1: Yeah. You deserve more. Yeah, I'd lo- I love all that. And I wanted to say something really quick to this couple. I will tell you that when my wife and I got married, I drug my porn and sex addiction into the marriage. Mm-hmm. And I did. Unlike Steve, I did not tell her. I kept it secret. And here's what I thought: This marriage will solve my problem. It'll cure me, right? I had yep. been addicted since I was 13 years old, and now I'm in my 20s getting married. And I thought, yeah, this will this will do the trick. Mm-hmm. I promise to to you, it does not. Nope. Right? It's it's not in the best interest of either of you to enter into a long, a lifelong relationship commitment until and unless he can, he can show long-term evidence of sobriety and real change, right? I would say, I w- here's what I tell my people who are thinking about getting married and, and there's addiction involved. I say, you know what? You need at least pretty close to a year of serious recovery effort, which includes at least six months of verifiable sobriety. Now, I know that sounds stern and maybe pretty rigid and crazy, but trust me, marriage is hard enough. And what happens is you get engaged and now, you know, you're starry eyed and it's, it's it's really cool. And your addiction can actually go away for a while. Mine did yeah. uh, probably six or eight months. It was non-existent because I was in the newness of marriage. It was incredible. It was amazing. And then the stress of life hit, right? Full time job, full time school, a kid on the way. And all the stress hit me. And where did Mark run back to? His old place of self-soothing and medicating. And all of it came yeah. back like a tidal wave right into the marriage. Don't bring that into the marriage. Yeah. Give yourselves a chance, right? And, and and look at these time frames and getting involved with something that is truly solid. And real and lasting recovery plan with proven tools and processes, right? Don't just jump into the marriage and let the the novelty and newness and excitement of that make you think that this is this is solved. Yeah. I just find so many are deeply disappointed. Six months, a year, year and a half, two years into the marriage, like, oh crap, it's all back and then some.
0: Amen to that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we we could talk about this uh we we can we can talk about this forever but we we probably ought to wrap wrap things up here um you know one thing that we definitely want to say to this partner as we're getting close to the end here is please take a please take a note from both mark and i's bold loving caring spouses (laughs) (laughs) who even though they didn't have the tools at the time and knew nothing about recovery they did do one thing that We both thank God for as hard as those, both of those days we just shared about today were. And that is they, they, our wives loved us enough those days, those hard, deep, dark days to look, they loved us enough to be honest with where they really were. Yes. And even though that was painful to hear, um, both of our spouses in their case, from a place of desperation had gotten to a point where they needed us to know just how bad things really were. And, and I, and again, even though that was so hard for, for me to hear that from Brittany, my denial, my minimizing my justification, just like Mark had convinced me that I was 300 feet from the edge of a cliff. When the reality was, is that I was hanging over the edge, like cartoon style with like, you know, the fingers, like one by one, like breaking off. And that's really where we, we were,
1: hmm.
0: you are not doing your partner any favors by couching or minimizing where you were at. We understand the reasons why a spouse does that. You don't want to have the conflict. You don't want to push him into shame. We'll, we, we can't say much about this for sake of time, but the truth is never the wrong option in this case. Yeah, he, If he's going to make a choice about whether to to really be empowered to make a choice of whether to be with you or not, because there's a lot at stake for both of you here, then he needs to know how dire the situation really is, if he doesn't already. Yeah. So please love him enough to tell him what he needs to hear, not what he wants to hear. Yeah.
1: Oh. So, yeah. um All right, everybody. Man, we yeah. man, this has been an intense episode, hasn't it?
0: Yeah. Does <laughs> everybody go watch some some a few episodes of Care Bears after this?
1: Yeah. Be good.
0: <laughs> we really do love and appreciate all you guys. We we appreciate you being here and and for your patronage each week. We continue to just grow and grow, and we love getting your submissions. We love getting your feedback. Thank you for letting us know how the podcast impacts you. It really that 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 is reward enough for us when we just hear how this is changing and impacting each of you we we really appreciate that and it's good to hear that there are people out there engaged in the same fight that we're fighting every day uh, again if you would if you'd like to enlist mark and i in this fight two long battle-hardened warriors who have done it all the wrong ways mm-hmm. and now are pretty damn good if i may say so myself at doing it the right way please come check us out at dare to connect, now, dare to connect Grab your free two-week trial. And if you would like to have something addressed on the podcast, admittedly briefly, um, we would love to get your submissions at pbscpodcast.com. There's a contact form right down at the bottom. You can go ahead and click on that and uh, send us a
1: submission. We'd love to hear from you. Awesome. All right, everybody. Hey, thanks for spending time with us. And we'll look forward to picking things back up in our next episode.
0: Have a great week, guys. Bye-bye.
1: Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the
0: hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.